Hey, you're listening to Game Like Training Radio. We're helping you create a more effective learning environment. I'm one of your hosts, Cordy Walker. And I'm your co-host, Matthew Cook. And today we are talking about performance games. We're going to run through a couple things. What is a performance game? How it fits into all these other topics that we've talked about uh, this season of Game Like Training Radio. And then kind of a a four-step process to create effective games. So this sounds good. Before we get into it, we've recently published this new doc just for golf coaches. It's five critical pieces of research that all coaches need to know about. This was really fun. Matt, just a few things that people might find if they uh, go get this completely free guide over golfsciencelab.com slash coaches research. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not going to give it all away. We want people to go and download it. But the first thing that we uh, talk about in this is varying the conditions of learning. And it's just one of many different pieces of research that's out there in the world right now. There's video links to it. There's uh, research paper links to it. So I, I advise all coaches go and check it out. Yeah, it's super simple. And we uh, designed it to make it look pretty cool as well. So it's not um, just another plain doc to download. And that's what we're all about. We have <laughs> fascinating conversations on game like training radio and then useful reference docs. There you go. The dynamic, uh, the d- dynamic duo. Okay, enough of the rambling. Let's get into performance games, Matt. What are we talking about? What are performance games? Yeah, performance games. So, you know, I I have had many conversations with people about this. You know, what is a performance game, Matt? And it really depends on who you're teaching at the time. If you're teaching a a young beginner golfer, junior, let's say, working on the uh, practice ground with a seven-year-old, seven-year-old kid, you you know, you might not want to call it a performance game. You might want to call it just a game because kids like games. So if you want to work with, let's say, a more advanced golfer, low handicap golfer, good player, goes out and shoots, low scores, plays in some high-level competitions, then you might want to call it a performance game because that type of golfer understands the word performance. So these are just words, but ultimately they're the same thing. It's it's a task, it's a challenge, it's a skills challenge, it's a game. They all are made up of the same components, but you're just calling it something different. I had a conversation, a really good conversation with a with an incredible coach that a lot of people listening to this will know, Kevin Schmelz down at Bishopsgate Golf Academy. Kevin's worked with a lot of the golfers over in, in Asia, and, and he still does. He works with multiple professionals, LPGA tall players that have come from China and uh, Japan. And you wouldn't want to say to a golfer that's come from from that uh, background, oh, you're going to go on the practice ground and play a game. Because of their environmental background, because of their upbringing, they would prefer to hear, oh, you're going to go on the practice ground and you're going to do a skills test. Or you're going to do a task. Because that sounds i mean this does sound crazy but it sounds better for them whereas somebody uh, that comes from a different upbringing it might be it might be more music to their ears if you say oh we're going to go on the practice ground and play a game because it sounds like fun and if they so if this golfer associates fun with golf then they're more likely to carry on playing it until they get to higher levels so performance games just like uh, tasks, they're just like skills challenge. They're, they are something to do in practice that is beneficial for improving your skills. 
that's what they are. Fact. There you go. So I just came up with a new concept, Matt, through that amazing description. So last week on the show with Tim Lee, we talked about scaling specificity. And so here's a new term for you through this past year. You're scaling the language that you're using around training, depending on the level of the player or kind of what they need to get the most out of it. What do you think about that term? I like it. Scaling the language. I'll tell you what, the dynamic duo, like you said, I'm going to put that into my, I'm going to write about that now. (laughs) There you go. Well, I think it's important though. Well, if you want to get the most, if you want to have a player get the most out of something, why not scale, you know, your terminology or your language to meet them where they're at? For sure. Like this, even earlier on this evening, I was working with a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old and they're, they're pretty new to golf. They could be, they could be really good. They're very athletic. And they got out of the car and the first thing they they wanted to know is if we were playing <laughs> the circle of death, which is a game, which is a putting game. And I said, yeah, we're going to go and play that game. And they were the happiest little golfers you've ever seen. Yet 50 minutes later, I had this, I had a girl who plays in a Hurricane Junior Tournament. She wants to play AJGA. She's aspiring to go to Auburn University. And if I say a game to her when her parents are next to her, She's not coming back next week. I had to say to her, right, I have a specific set of challenges for you on the golf course tonight. And so, yeah, I scaled the language for the for the level of player and the type of player. I want to know about the circle of death. That sounds entertaining. <laughs> is it, so that's a performance game? Yep, sure is. Paint me a picture. What do we have? All right. Uh, you got a 10-foot putt. There is four people. Let's say there's a group of four people. You, I've got a 10-foot putt around the same hole but between every person there is an empty tee everyone's at their own tee and between every person there's an empty tee right so everyone's around in a circle around this hole at 10 feet you figure out who's going to put first and then you go clockwise or anti-clockwise you figure it out for yourself doesn't really matter but you just stick to that that direction so a first person has a chance to hold the putt from 10 feet that person misses Next person, so that person that missed stays on that tee. They don't move anywhere. You go on to the next person. Let's say everybody misses except for the, no, let's say the next person holds their putt. They pick the tee up and they move to the empty tee that's beside them. So they're one tee away from the person that's next to them. Carry on going around the circle. You come back to that same person that hold the putt. If they hold the next one, they pick the tee up. Now they're on a tee with somebody else. So there's two people on a tee, and whoever holds first kills the other player. Then that person's knocked out. You pick up their tee, you move on. So it's kind of like, oh, what's that computer game? There's a computer game, really old school computer game. You no help from me. Sorry. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I, I don't have anything for you. Um, well, basically, you're on tees and you're just trying to go around in the circle. The person that holds the most putts kills everybody in the circle and knock them out. Honestly, I have some videos of it. I We should post some videos of this. I have a great video it. of the let's game being planned. And if you know the video game, tweet at Cordy Walker or <laughs> Matthew Cook and fill us in. Okay, a question for you. Why is this a performance game? Or how does how does this fit in with the definition of performance game? All right, so there is... So there's a four-step process to building a performance game or building a task or, or building a, a challenge. We're going to talk about performance game. There's a four-step process to doing that, which 
this performance game has has all four of them. It has a name, Circle of Death. I did try and call it something different, you know, just because I thought the parents might think it was a little uh, deep, but kids seem to like it, so we kept it at Circle of Death. So no matter where you go, um, you, you can say, oh, do you want to play, even to your friends, do you want to play Circle of Death? And then just knowing the name of the game, you understand all the other things, such as what is the goal of the game? Every game needs a goal. That's the second point of building a performance game. So you've got the name of the game. What's the goal of the game? Then you need to create some rules. And I know rules kind of sound boring, but they, you know they're actually not. They, they don't necessarily pr- place any boundaries having a rule, which is what most people usually associate rules with. Oh, you know, this is boring now. There's rules. There's boundaries. It actually forces students to explore different options to complete a task. That's what having rules helps you do. So it helps students get more more thinking, really get a little bit more cognitive. So you got the name of the game, the goal of the game, the rules of the game, and the final thing is having some sort of scoring system. And in this case, the scoring system is you kill people who you're trying to who you're trying to knock out. And the person uh, the person at the end who's who's not the person who's last at the end, they win. So there's your scoring system. There you go. If you're enjoying this episode, head over to golfsciencelive.com slash better training and get four videos that we've put together to help you have a more game-like training learning environment. We'll dive into the specific things that you can do to get more out of the time that you spend on the range. Golfsciencelive.com slash better training. All right, let's get back to it. Here's something that's really relevant to me that I've been thinking about a lot lately. So uh, I was in in Scotland a couple of weeks ago, hanging out with Peter Arnott and Graham McDowell, two awesome, awesome coaches and guys that care about learning as well. And we were talking about how a lot of the games and a lot of the tasks that they have players go through are always very cognizant of score. They're always very indirected as in, as in goal directed. And, you know, just kind of chatting, chatting about that a bit is like when we're on the course, you have to deal with score. Like, there, sure, yeah. there are a handful of times when you forget about score, but those times are probably few and, and far between. And the majority of people are going to be walking up 18 knowing they have to make a birdie to make the cut if they're, you know, playing tournament golf or, you know, they have to make par to break 90 or something. Yeah. And so most of the time people are very cognizant of score. So, you know, if that's a reality of performance, it should be a reality of training then as well. And so, and I think that that might, that's an issue that I see a lot with people with the games that they're, they're creating or the games that they're going through is that they aren't that goal directed behavior and you aren't necessarily cognizant of a score. Um, but it's something that we have to deal with on the course. And so we need to train for that so that when that happens, it's not the first time that you have to learn how to deal with it. No, I agree. Completely agree. It's, it's funny. I have a, I have a little story for you actually. Go ahead. So I'm working with, working with a student a couple of years back and extremely good player from South Africa. And, um, he's out there, he's playing in, I think it was, I think it was a hurricane. I think it was a HJGT. I'm not entirely sure, but he's out there playing the tournament. And, um, so he's two off. I think it was two under par coming down 17 and he makes birdie. He goes to three under par. He takes the lead now by two. He's playing the best golf he's ever played. He just looks like he's he's completely in flow. I've never seen him swing it or hit it as good. And 
I've never seen his behavior just as good before ever. And so now he's going down 18 and he ends up, he ends up finishing the round. He makes a nice power on 18. He finishes the round at three under and he's, and he's, he would have won. I'm going to say would have won by two, but he failed to do something in practice, which was record some sort of score, you know, to make a note of how he was performing in practice and so what he actually forgot to do was fill in the last score on 18 on his scorecard and he forgot to sign his card and got disqualified. He just handed the card in. He was he was so overwhelmed with knowing how good he played and he knew the score in, in, internally. He knew where, where he was at, but he didn't write it down. He hadn't built a habit or, I mean, learnt the skill of actually writing his final score down and handing his scorecard in. So his practice for months and months of not writing the score down and handing a score into me as a coach at the end, which is what I ask all my good players to do. What did you score? Write it down, make a note of it and show it to me at the end. I, I want to keep track of it. It's, it's how we reflect on things to improve in the future. And he, and he was the worst person for it. And I was always kind of like, this is going to come back and bite you in the rear end one day. And he was like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. And lo and behold, a few months later, he's could have finished three under winning a tournament by two shots and he forgot to sign his forgot to enter the last hole and forgot to sign his card so i mean that was a hard way to learn but it's exactly what you like what you just said if that's one element of performing you know the score and and you know you have to deal with it then you should have to deal with it in practice in some capacity to be honest, I wasn't even thinking about, uh, you know, writing it down and, and in a sense turning it in. But I think that's, uh, that, that's fantastic. You know, how you're talking about with your players, you have them jot it down and turn it into you. I mean, for, for you as, as a coach, is your thought that's probably, that's more for them than it is for you, even though you're, you're telling them it, it is for you? Yeah. Yeah. More for them. Yeah. And, you know, if, if they can't, if they can't learn to, to make note of what they've done for the day, then, you know, make a plan a goal and complete a task and write it down and, and sign it off. If if they can't do that, then we're not really we're not really preparing them for the real world if they don't go into professional golf as a living. So I, I just I find it's a very personal thing to me, uh, to write it down and hand it in. And yeah, it is more for them, but I, I just ask all of my players to do it. Of these four things, name, goal, rules and scoring, where do you think what's the most difficult bit here where where it's easy to get hung up when when working on on building a game so for the coach when creating when creating a game i think the hardest thing is uh, this is just off my experience the hardest thing i found was the rules because i found there were so many little things you could change like one game you could alter the rules so much that it could be a completely different game almost and so i found it difficult that way so i i always found myself questioning is this rule stifling this player to learn what I would, I don't want to say what I would like them to learn, but is it stifling their learning because of me placing these rules in there? Uh, and so I think you only learn that as a coach by just seeing what comes back from the players. You know, I've got games wrong just like anybody's gonna and results have changed based on me giving some poor rules but it's like what we're preaching right now you only learn by doing it so i got hung up the most on rules 
but you only learn that by going through it and seeing seeing how players react to it because players will react differently. One player who is very advanced is gonna challenge you and and maybe a little bit older. Let's say a, I don't know, fifteen, sixteen year old, very good golfer. They're gonna challenge you on rules. They'll read the rules and they'll say something. You know, for example, oh, but what about if this happens? Then that rule isn't really it doesn't really come into play. And they'll challenge you out of the back end, but you'll soon get good at it. <laughs> is my is my point to coaches? Got to have the challenge in there. Okay, so rules. Just kind of a a quick note here, quick rant. <laughs> I feel like a lot of coaches don't put much emphasis on the games that they play or that they have students do, and it might be because for some reason setting up games or setting up drills feels almost like that's beneath me maybe as a as a golf instructor yeah and this is this is a rant for golf instructors um <laughs> but you know like in a sense it's it's the most important uh let's look at other sports right they the coach is not watching a basketball player shoot free throws they're not interested in that activity you know a coach is not watching i don't i don't have, i mean anything like they're not watching the quarterback throw Uh, footballs they're more involved in the games and the drills that the team the players are going through in a representative environment of of what they're potentially going to be doing during a game and that's you know that's what a coach is in in all these other sports and uh, yet in golf for some reason being that game designer and setting up games isn't necessarily the most glamorous thing for some reason when in reality if, if a coach is doing a really good job that means that the learning environment that they've created does most of the coaching. I can't agree more. I think Sean Foley said it really well a couple of years back. His job, he said that his job was to become almost non-existent to the student. Yeah. He created practice so well that you become non-existent. And that's that. That's a really good really good way to learn, as we all know now. Like if you, I, I felt that way as well before, though. You know, why am I setting up? why am I setting these things up? You know, this isn't, this isn't teaching, you know, the student comes to me and I I video the swing and I I tell them information one-on-one that I've been there, but really now I, I set things up, you know, I set, it takes me 15, 20 minutes before a lesson or before a class to set something up that's been planned in advance for the particular students of that class. And it takes me 10, 15 minutes to break down. But while I'm watching the class unfold, I can step back and I can look at the bigger picture. And then as I observe, I can I can pinpoint certain things that would that we would need to change or that I would advise a student to change just from stepping back. I can then go in and, and make suggestions and alterations based off what I've seen and what you just said, the representative environment, because we all know le- learning is very, very specific. So you need to, that the environment in practice has to some, in some way, some capacity represent what they're going to go out and do on a golf course. And you can only make appropriate changes if you see in practice something that's representative Otherwise, you, you're kidding yourself. You don't you don't really know if that shows up out on the golf course. You don't really know. You're guessing. And so, yeah, it, I felt at one point in my career it was beneath, beneath me, but now it's like the major thing. I have to set up 
the right environment. And some days I've come away and I've and I've thought, you know what, that game wasn't right. I, I should have the goal should have been this, and the rules should have been changed to this. I think I would have got more out of it. But you live and learn, don't you? Yeah. Oh, I want to add a bit of clarity because I know some coaches talking about students becoming their own coaches, right? In a sense, they're talking about maybe they know their swing so well or they understand the golf swing that they can fix things themselves. Um, we're, we're talking about something different here in the sense that the coach is, is creating an environment that is specific for the student to learn, you know, a specific, specific skills or, or to acquire specific skills. Uh, and I think those are two separate things. Do you, do you agree with that or no? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. You, that's what you, you are. You're creating a, a particular game, performance game for a student to help with the changes that they need to make. But it's it's you that's doing that. It's you, the coach, that's doing that. You're the creative one thinking of the right performance game for that player. Do you use um, goals or rules to scale a game based on challenge point? I use the goal and scoring system. The goal and score. Uh, yeah, probably 50-50. Sometimes the goal, sometimes the scoring system. Give me an example of, of a game and, and how that would scale based on uh, based on challenge point of the player. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll just keep it real simple. So we'll go... Oh, I tell you what, we'll go circle of death. Why not? Let's stick to that one. There Seems to be a hit. So let's say you have some relatively good golfers, uh, competitive junior golfers aspiring to be professional. So let's say very low handicap golfers can hit the ball, can play. You might want to put them on a very undulating part of the green. So that 10-foot putt, you might want to crank it to 12 feet, 15 feet, and you might want it to be on a part of the putting surface or even out on the golf course uh, on an undulating part of the green. That's what you might want to do. But for, for example, the uh, couple of students that I had tonight that are very young and new to the game, if they couldn't handle 10 feet, you might want to bring it to 5 feet. So the goal changes. It's to hole putts from 5 feet rather than 10 feet. And you might want to be on a flatter surface. And let's go Let's go with another game. Simple, how many putts can you haul from three feet? You know, you might, you might say for the new golfer, the young beginner, you might want to uh, say that they complete the challenge. They complete this performance game when they haul one out of six. But for the very very good golfer it might be they don't complete it until they haul 25 out of 25 that's just just an example of how you can scale the scoring systems and goals yeah for sure and and games can evolve as well like you know as a coach you you don't have to set up a game and then say adios and and you can't change it um cones or tees or whatever aren't set in stone um it can it can constantly be changing based on what a coach is seeing um and that's most important i mean that that is the goal of the coach is to make sure that the environment is the best learning environment possible for each student right yeah and each learner so it's funny you mentioned that i my first workbook when i presented some some games to students i showed them uh well not a bunch of students i showed it to four 
particularly high-level players that are playing mini-tour events, and I showed them some performance tasks, because the terminology, scaling the language, as you would say, and <laughs> and um, I asked them to design a game, so I designed one, and I, I, asked them, I asked these guys, I said, what would you do to make it better or more fun? Like, what, what would you do or to make it harder or what what would you do as i'm not going to give you any information this is the this is what i've created here's the template you need a name you need a goal for it you need some rules and you need a scoring system you create one and together after you've made it we'll both go through it and and we'll see if it is a good one that is helpful for your learning and development so i actually have students constantly give me ideas and and change games because like you just said it evolves that i mean kids are very creative especially the younger ones i mean i hear all the time oh coach matthew this game would be so much cooler if we could do this now yeah nine out of ten times uh it's something quite ridiculous but one there's one of them times where a, one of the kids that you're working with is going to have a pretty good suggestion and then the following week you're probably going to implement it. So they evolve all the time based off of the students and what, what they think. Yeah, for sure. And that's always a good thing to be to be looking at the students and it's probably even a good exercise to have students be creating games and have them understand a little bit of the framework of what makes up. Uh, effective learning, uh, right? Because really, when we talk about performance games, we're talking about learning, we're talking about practice. And I mean, this should be your practice is, is playing performance games like this. And going through this is is a fantastic process. And mainly, we've talked to coaches here in this episode. So if you're, if you're a, a golfer who's not a coach, who's hung out with us this entire time, thank you. Um, hopefully you've learned something. Hopefully you'll, you'll go out and start creating your own games kind of with this process in mind of name, goal, rules, scoring, and try some stuff out and maybe pass it on to your coach that, that you work with and say like, Hey, you know, here's some interesting things on games. How can you help, you know, can you help me create some better games uh, for my learning and, and see where that goes. And, and coaches, if you have any questions on this, make sure to reach out to us, shoot us a message, whether it's on Twitter or email, you can drop me a line at hey at golfsciencelab.com. I get all those emails and you can drop Matt a line at cookmatthew500 at gmail.com is my direct email. Or you can find me on Twitter or Facebook. Any Anything game like training, golf.com, you'll find me there. Uh, I, I, I don't mind sending anybody that's interested an actual template of creating a game. I don't mind sending that out to anybody that's interested for free. So please do yourself a huge favor and reach out to me. There you go email Matt and grab that template. That sounds like a good idea. So they should do that. Step one. Step two is make sure to get that. If you're a coach, which we probably only have coaches listening by now, go to golfsciencelab.com <laughs> slash coaches dash research to get that, uh, the five piece of research, uh, piece of research doc that we put together. So step one, step two, and step three is maybe run your, your games or some of the drills that you use with students most frequently through this process and maybe just do a quick assessment, gain some awareness about where those are uh, as far as being representative of, of having appropriate levels of difficulty and just do a quick 
quick checkup on some of the most common games that you do. And any if people are just taking a, you know, doing a, a quick check in their minds on, on drills and games they use most frequently, any other quick little things that they should think about as they're as they're thinking about that? You just covered it all. You just said everything I wanted to say. Perfect. Well, let's sign off here, Matt. And this is fantastic. Thanks for sharing uh, your four-step process on performance games. No problem. Excited to see what people come back with. Definitely. Shoot us an email and uh, we'll see you all next time on Game Like Training Radio.